Good morning, my name is Renee. Um, if we haven't met, uh, it's good to meet you in this space. Um, I am a pastor who supports and coaches pastors and preachers, that's what I do. And uh, after being longtime friends of the South Suburban Vineyard and the pastors here, my family and I started coming to church here about six months ago. And it has been wonderful. Uh, thank you. Thank you for so generously welcoming us, being authentically friendly. That's, that's a big deal to a new person. And uh, making space for us. I am so thankful and privileged to be uh, on this teaching team uh, with so many other dynamic and faithful preachers. And uh, so from someone who was recently new, if you are new uh, or if this is your second or third time, welcome. Being new is weird and it's awkward. And so we hope that you stick with it. If you're here in the room or if you're online in real time or on demand later, um, I think this is a community worth joining. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is doing here, and I think it's just really beautiful to watch it continue to grow and change and be formed by Jesus as new people and voices are added. So we're so glad you're here, if you're new or new-ish. Uh, like Shannon said, we are continuing a series this morning called Empowered, where we're talking about the person, presence, uh, and power of the Holy Spirit. And we're doing this series together with hundreds of other vineyard churches all over the United States for the next few weeks. And before we can talk about the Holy Spirit in depth or different topics about the Holy Spirit, we have to establish a theology for who we understand the Spirit to be. As Gino explained last week, we believe in the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit perfectly united together, one God, three persons, equal in power and in glory. And I think sometimes to, in an attempt to understand the Trinity, we like assign roles or personalities to the beings of the Trinity. I don't know that we do that intentionally or consciously, but I think that's how we try and wrap our human brains around it, right? So, so we might describe God the Father as like loving, omnipotent, powerful. He's the dad, right? We may say that Jesus the Son is the one who understands us, the one who teaches us how to live and be in the world. And well, the Holy Spirit, that depends on who you ask right? There's a whole spectrum of roles and personalities that we, as followers of Jesus, assign to the Holy Spirit. Some people believe he is all dried up. That's a thing of the past. That's a thing of the Bible. In real time, he doesn't exist. Some people believe that the Holy Spirit is only accessible to the super-Christians. We don't believe in super-Christians, but we like to categorize people. And so some of us believe that the Holy Spirit is only, only accessible to the uber-faithful, the ones who show up early and give a lot and, you know, sing loud. Others of us believe that the Holy Spirit is the one you call on when you're in a real problem, like when it looks absolutely impossible. It's the Holy Spirit that you call on because you need something to change. But the triune God 
cannot be spliced into different characters of the story. That's not how this works. God in three persons is infinite, unchangeable, perfect in holiness, wisdom, goodness, justice, power, and love. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present to us as the one true living God today. We cannot assign roles or personalities to these beings. It is one God. And I'm aware that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, conversations often um, are centered around the activity of the Spirit, like what we've seen the Holy Spirit do. Right? If we read in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the one who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land. The Holy Spirit filled Mary's body and she became pregnant. The Holy Spirit filled the room at Pentecost and 3,000 people were baptized. Maybe you've heard personal stories from people somewhere in your life that have had some encounter with this life-altering, all-powerful presence of God This in this room. Our stories of the ways that the Holy Spirit has healed disease, has freed us from all sorts of addictions, has made a way in situations that otherwise seemed impossible. I have my own stories of being absolutely stuck absolutely desperate, absolutely overcome, the Holy Spirit intervened, and everything changed. And I'm also aware that because the impact of the Holy Spirit is so stunningly powerful, we often distill our engagement with the Holy Spirit down to the activity we can measure. So if we see something happen, he must be around. If it happens quickly, he must care a lot about it. And if it doesn't, well, maybe he's not here anymore. It's like we chart the presence of the Holy Spirit by tracking the encounters with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus didn't give the Holy Spirit to the disciples for activity. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to the, act to the disciples for companionship. We're going to look today uh, in this moment where Jesus talks to the disciples about the Holy Spirit in John 14. The scripture will be up here on the screens. You can also uh, read along in the Bibles at the end of your rows or if you have it on your phone or your iPad. So Jesus is talking to the disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and this is what he says to them. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. That's who the Holy Spirit is. As Gino said last week, the Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence of God who is present to us always. 
at all times, in all moments. It is the company of the Holy Spirit that is God's life-sustaining gift to us. The Holy Spirit is given to nurture, guide us, teach us, and correct us. We must be careful to engage the company of the Spirit as much as we long for the activity of the Spirit. When you say yes to a life with Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to live within you. For those of you that have made that commitment, or if you haven't, when you say to Jesus, I want to live with you and for you, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. And in Galatians 5.25, Paul says, since you live by the Spirit, since your life has now been animated by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's such interesting phrasing, isn't it? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. It does not say catch the Spirit, or track the Spirit, or try and control the Spirit, or yell so loud that the Spirit obeys you. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit. Be known by the Spirit. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. This morning we're going to talk about some of the tenets of companionship with the Holy Spirit. Some of the elements of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit in our regular, everyday, often boring lives. So companionship with this Holy Spirit really begins with conversation with the Holy Spirit, right? If we're going to live in step with the Spirit, we have to be engaged in ongoing conversation with God. Remember, the Spirit and God are not separated. This is the Holy Spirit is God with us. And we cannot follow or learn or be shaped by someone that we do not converse with. Right? Think about the friendships or the other relationships that form you. They don't form you simply because of proximity. They form you often because of conversation. Right? I cook like my mom and my grandma because they talked to me while we were at the stove. Right? It wasn't just doing the things that they did, but it was also being talked to by them and listening and conversing. And in the vineyard, we believe that God speaks to all of us, and all of us can hear the voice of God. All of us. In this room, in kids' ministry, serving in other areas, all of us. The Holy Spirit speaks to everyone. If you are a parent or a teacher, the Holy Spirit speaks to your kids too. This is not age-dependent. We're going to spot talk specifically about prophecy, like listening to God for other people in a few weeks. Today we're just talking about conversation between God and all people. And we see this conversation between the triune God and people all throughout Scripture, but Jesus describes it particularly concisely in John 10. So I want to look at it there. So this is John 10, verses 2 through 5, and then we're going to look at 14. Here's what it says. 
The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He, the shepherd, Jesus, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all on his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. If we were to jump to verse 14, it says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. We are the sheep, and God here is the shepherd, and God speaks to all of us in real time. And as God's creation, all of us are made to hear and recognize the sound of God's voice. It is intrinsic to our design. And the conversation with the Spirit is available and accessible to us at all times, in all places. On your way to work, at the store, in that meeting, when kids are crying, when you're bored, when the day has been wonderful, when the day has been in the pits, the Holy Spirit is with you and wants to engage you. Brother Lawrence calls this practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence, uh, being, what he's talking about here is being attentive to the Holy Spirit at all times. Brother Lawrence was a was a person who lived in a monastery in the 1600s in Paris. And so you think, when I think monastery, I think monk, right? Again, the super faithful, right? But that wasn't Brother Lawrence's role in this monastery. Brother Lawrence was a dishwasher, okay? And Brother Lawrence's role in this community was in the kitchen. He was doing all the work, and he was washing dishes. But he did not neglect the tending to the Holy Spirit in that space. And so in practicing the presence of God, Brother Lawrence became deeply, intimately aware of the grace and mercy and love and hope of God that was accessible to him in real time. And this is what he says. The time for work, Brother Lawrence says, is no different for me than the time for prayer. In the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while people are yelling at the same time for different things, I have in God as great a peacefulness as if I were on my knees receiving communion. Can you imagine being able to say that about your life? That in the loudest moments of your day, you would experience the nearness of God that you experience in worship. That is what the Holy Spirit makes available to us in companionship. And I want that. I want my conversations with the Holy Spirit to continue in the most chaotic, disorienting, frustrating moments of my day. And yet I often splice my time with the Holy Spirit into different thematic topics. Here's what I need from you today, Holy Spirit. 
Don't forget about that person I love today, Holy Spirit. And when you have a moment, Holy Spirit, could we follow up on the things you haven't gotten to yet? Because I've got some outstanding requests, and I'd like to know where it is in the line. I'm sorry to say it, but conversation with the Spirit is not a team huddle between you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where you get to pass out tasks for the day. And yet that's how, that's how often, that's how we broach those moments, right? Like, all right, let's gather in. You're going to do this. You'll take this. You'll take this. And I'll just watch you all put it together. That's not what this is about. That's not what conversation with the Spirit is about. Conversation with the Spirit is about building relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's about learning. It's about unlearning. It's about asking questions. It's about paying attention. It's about being formed by that nearness of God. That conversation never ends. It's ongoing. The question is, when was the last time we turned towards it? You know, I forget. Like, I'm a pastor who hangs out with other pastors. I forget. I forget to turn towards my creator. And so I do this silly thing in the mornings when my alarm clock goes off and uh, I'm making the coffee and I'm turning on the lights and I'm cueing my brain and my body that it's time to get going for the day, I say, good morning, spirit. It sounds silly to say out loud, but it is the only way I can find to re-anchor myself in the reality that my creator is present to me and my conversation with him is the soundtrack of my life. If I do not greet him, I struggle to jump into that conversation in the moments where I feel really squeezed. Or those moments where he feels particularly far away, or my story feels particularly small. In that conversation, there's room for me, once it's started, you know, for me in the day, there's, there's room for me to share, to ask questions, and to listen. Listening is a part of knowing the companionship of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, Jesus is still talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples, and he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit to be able to be taught all the things and reminded of all the things. That does not happen by spiritual osmosis. We have to listen. And listening is often shaped by the condition of our hearts. Our ability to listen is often shaped by what is happening in my head and in my heart. It's true of any relationship, right? Like, if someone you live with asks you to go grab something from the basement, 
The way that you hear that request is often shaped by the current condition of that relationship, right? Like, if your relationship is running smoothly, it's easy to follow through on the request. Can you go grab this in the basement? Sure, no problem. You go do it. You don't think anything of it. But if there's bitterness growing in you about how many times you've been to the basement this week, that request may make you feel really underappreciated, even hurt by the request. Like, how dare you ask me to go to the basement? You know how many times I've been to the basement this week? Like, that, it's all based on that condition. Our ability to listen to the Spirit is shaped by what's going on in our own hearts and our heads. I struggle to listen clearly to the Holy Spirit when I am discouraged, when I'm feeling bitter, when God's hurt my feelings, when I'm disappointed, when I need a nap. You know, sometimes I think I can't hear God and then I take a nap and I can hear him. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to lean towards relationship when we're not in a great sorted place, right? It's not to say we have to get sorted to, to lean towards him, but sometimes we got to pay attention to what's sitting in between us, right? Like if you're having a hard time listening to the Holy Spirit, you got to check in with yourself. Is there anything getting in the way? You know, is there some sort of like filter that your pain or your angst is putting on the Holy Spirit and impacting how you're able to hear God's love and care and invitation? You don't want to miss the invitations of the Spirit. Companionship with the Holy Spirit is full of invitation. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, we find ourselves invited into all sorts of moments and conversations we wouldn't have otherwise been in. Right? The Holy Spirit sometimes invites us to pray for people. Maybe give a word of encouragement or hope. The Holy Spirit invites us to be generous with our our attention, our time, our money, our resources, our abilities. The Holy Spirit also invites us to abstain, to walk away, to say no. The Holy Spirit invites us to apologize, to tell the truth, to repent. You know, the Bible is full of teachings on how we're supposed to live in the world and follow Jesus, but we often have to be cued by the Spirit of God to do those things in real time. Right? Like, I can read the words of 1 Corinthians 14. Love is patient, love is kind. I've read those words at weddings. Right? Okay. Love is patient, love is kind. Got it. But in those moments... When I need, in those moments where I need holy patience and merciful kindness, I need the Holy Spirit there to cue me, do it now. Don't forget, Renee, in this moment, love is patient, love is kind. So show up in love, even right now. Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to remind us of who we are called to be. Uh, God invited me to repair a relationship this week. 
And I wasn't too keen on the idea. Um, I felt the person had been very salty with me. So I didn't want to. And I had a sermon to write, you know, about paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I did what all good, faithful preachers and pastors do. I ignored the Holy Spirit. Um, But it just kept coming back. Go back, Renee. Apologize, Renee. Own your part, Renee. Do it quickly, Renee. And I couldn't move beyond it. It felt like this insistent invitation. So I braced myself for, for, for further saltiness from this person. And I went in, and you know what? That person, when I said, hey, can, I, can we check in real quick? It was a totally different person. They met me with absolute kindness. It was a really tender moment. I apologized on my part. She apologized. She owned her part. We were able to do that repair together actually really quickly. And completely authentically, if it had been up to me, I probably wouldn't have gone back. I felt hurt. I thought she should come to me. That would have been like an outstanding Um, or an an open thing in my life still. But the Holy Spirit was there to nudge me, to invite me. I always hope that the Holy Spirit is about to invite me into like some sort of world-changing adventure. And most often, the Holy Spirit invites me into moments that change me. I am always ready for the next moment where God needs to use me and, I don't know, utilize me. I like working good for Jesus. And you know what? More often than not, Jesus invites me into places where he changes me, where he molds me, where he changes my mind, where he humbles my heart. And conversations with the Holy Spirit, they include these rich invitations, and conversations with the Holy Spirit include silence. I don't know any relationship where there is constant conversation, unless you're parenting like a three-year-old. Those three-year-olds are chatty. But I don't know any other relationship where there is constant conversation. Company with the Holy Spirit includes silence. Sometimes the Spirit speaks, and sometimes the Spirit is quiet. Companionable silence, like sitting sitting comfortably in silence with the Holy Spirit is like one of the most naturally supernatural postures I can think of. It's like that space that you share, like visiting your grandma or like road tripping with a best friend or folding laundry with your spouse. It's when you're present with another person, agenda-free, 
and those people come to rest together. That's what companionable silence is with the Holy Spirit. When was the last time that you sat with the Holy Spirit without any prayer request, any questions, any desire for a preview on the next five years of your life? When was the last time that you sat with the Holy Spirit just for the sake of being with the Holy Spirit. It's uncomfortable to think of God being silent, isn't it? Like, I would prefer to think of God like a fireman who's like dressed and ready at all times. But sometimes the Spirit is silent. And it can be really hard to imagine a good God being silent, especially if you're used to silence being used as a punishment. I don't know if you ever experienced that. I had a teacher like that one time, that when she was mad at us, she went quiet. And we were little. And so it was very distressing. She used her silence as power against us. And the classroom got kind of panicky. Like, how do we fix this? So she starts to talk again, you know? So if you have experienced silence as a punishment, then if the spirit is silent, well, it's very easy to assign meaning to that, right? Like, did something happen? Like, did I do something wrong? Like, is God mad? Is the spirit still here? But God invites us to speak to him, and he says that he will answer us. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me, and I will answer you. My experience is, is that if there is a reason that God is silent, he does not make that reason a secret. So it's not like you've got to like jump around and guess. If you feel that God might be silent for a reason, you get to ask him what the reason is. Like, Lord, I don't know if this is me. I don't know if this is, I need a nap. But you feel real quiet. Is there a reason? Silence is not a space for us to question what's happening with God. Silence is a space for us to actually lean towards God. And I understand that that can be kind of counterintuitive. Like, why would I want to get closer to the one who's not talking to me? But silence is actually this invitational place for us to get closer, to lean in. And practicing silence has become a space where I can actually become more comfortable with silence. It reminds me that the Holy Spirit is with me, and I can actually hear God a little bit more clearly after I've been silent. So I use my car. That's what I do. That's how I find silence with God. I go into my car. I turn off all the music. I, of course, I'm alone. 
And I roll up the windows and I just sit there. I don't say anything magical. I often say something like, Lord, I know you're with me. I want to be with you. Can we just sit together? And I set a timer because I get squirrely fast. You know, like 13 seconds in, and I'm like, well, it must have been 10 minutes. You know, like, like I get so squirrely, or I just feel awkward. But if you can sit there, letting those two truths kind of hold up the moment, I know you're with me, and I want to be with you. Silence is this is not the absence of the Holy Spirit. If it feels like you have been in a persistent time of silence, like it's been a while since you've heard God clearly or you felt the nearness of God, hear me say this. The Holy Spirit is still with you. He has not left you. He has not floated away. He has not chosen someone else to be with. The Holy Spirit is for you and with you always. Always. And so if you feel like you've been in a time of persistent silence, that's the time to anchor yourself with some truth. Okay? Step number one, go read the Bible. Like a lot. The Bible helps us remember what God sounds like. When we're trying to discern, is this God, is this what I ate? The Bible helps us remember what God sounded like. So read the Bible. Just inhale it. All the time, just read it. Suggestion number two, tell someone. Shame grows when things are a secret. Be honest with someone. My experience in this community is you could turn to the person next to you and say, God's been silent, and that person will lean towards you. They'll say, tell me more. Let me pray for you. Well, I've been, I've been there too. That's my experience of this room. Be honest with someone. And then... Consider asking other people to listen to the Holy Spirit with you. If you feel like you can't hear God clearly, then say to other people, will you help me listen? I can't get this one on my own, or I'm too confused, or God feels like he's particularly far away, or I'm feeling really bitter and discouraged. Can the community of God, can the body of Christ listen with me? And the answer is yes. One body. The worship band can start coming back up. The company of the Spirit was Jesus' reassurance to the disciples. They had been walking with Jesus, traveling with him, learning from him, listening to him teach, watching Jesus pray for people. They had shared meals together. There was all of this nearness with Jesus. And all of a sudden, in the Gospels, Jesus is starting to talk about leaving. 
right? Like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And these disciples, anxiety's growing. Like, sorry, where are you going? Can we come with you? How long are you going to be there? And Jesus is making it clear that he's about to return to the Father. And so Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as reassurance. The company of the Spirit is reassurance to the disciples. The company of the Spirit is reassurance to us. We are not alone. We do not have to manage life on our own wisdom and ability and resources. The gift of the person and presence and power of the Holy Spirit is God saying, let me do this with you. Don't do this on your own. You don't have to rely on your own being. Let me do this with you. And that is absolutely wild to think about it. Right? Like, no wonder we have to practice engaging the company of the Spirit. We cannot fathom the reality that the one who created us out of dust wants to remind us of truth in real time. That doesn't make any sense. The one who loves us more than we can imagine wants to go to work with us. The one who heals and delivers cares about what happens to you every single day. Even if it doesn't make any sense to you, it is God's gift to you. The gift of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is alive and is present to you now. Do not miss the opportunity to stay in step with the Spirit. As I was preparing for this message this week, uh, I had this picture. Uh, in my head, I was like imagining keeping in step with the Spirit. I was thinking about like a three-legged race, you know, like where you kind of bind your, your inner leg um, with another person and then you try and keep in step with one another. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, like, that's a good visual of what it looks like to, to, keep, to keep pace with someone. And so we're going to sing another song here together. But I wonder if you could check in. Considering that visual, what does it look like for you right now? Like, is the Holy Spirit, like, dragging you along? Are you three steps ahead? Have you untied the rope? Where, whatever the condition of your pacing is right now with the Holy Spirit, there is always invitation to regroup. To say, okay, Lord, we have gotten out of step. How do we get in step? What needs to change? Or what do I need to be reminded of? So we're gonna sing this last song together. And I think that's an invitation for us as a community is to consider where we're at and do any of the, the conversation with Jesus so we get in step with him again.